Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. Today, we're going to focus on something that is a huge challenge, but it's also an opportunity for businesses across the world, and that is recruiting talent. We know that people are the most valuable asset to any successful organization, and it has never been more challenging to find quality candidates. And as part of that search, also the opportunity to recruit a diverse set of talent. Uh, And, you know, the research shows just how challenging this is in looking at surveys with recruiters. So these are people that are spending each and every day out trying to source and hire great candidates. Attracting quality candidates is named as the biggest challenge by 76% of those recruiters. And you flip it over in terms of the job seekers, you know, job seekers are actually looking for a diverse environment increasingly. And surveys show that 76% of job seekers say that company diversity is crucial. And according to two thirds of job seekers, a diverse workforce is essential when choosing a company. So if you're out recruiting, you're trying to attract top talent. It's all about presenting uh, the right opportunity, and those job seekers care about the diversity in the organization that you're representing. And just a few final research stats around performance. So think about what it means to have a truly diverse workforce and what that can mean in terms of competitive advantage. Gender-diverse companies perform better than their industry median by 15%. And ethnically diverse companies perform 35% better. So a really compelling reason to commit to diversity. And we're going to speak to an expert, someone who's really passionate about diversity recruiting, and that's Yvonne Demosten. And Yvonne is the CEO of Hamilton Demo, a certified veteran-owned company that sources game-changing talent. He believes that every company needs a diversity strategy because if you don't have one, you're cutting off as much as 40% of the talent pool from your pipeline. That's huge. He's also been part of the Professional Diversity Network, which connects diverse professionals to businesses that value diversity. So I can't wait to jump in to learning all about diversity and the evolving world of recruiting. Yvonne, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Dan, good morning. Happy Monday. It is a great week, and we're going to talk about just what's changing and evolving in this world of recruiting and with diversity. But I want to go back and looking at your background. I mean, you've been in recruiting for a while, you've had uh, professional corporate sales in your background. And I'm curious what inspired you to make that shift into this really competitive recruiting world. Yeah, so Dan, thanks. That's a great question. Uh, actually, I was lucky enough. I the shift was not that drastic. 
because in my corporate sales, I was dealing in working with large enterprise companies. And I had the opportunity to come on board with Career Builder. And at the time, I was um, the, the role that they had me in was actually to sell the services that Career Builder provided to companies. And I was doing that to large organizations from, uh, you know, your Macy's, your limited brands, et cetera. Employers that employed individuals from 5,000 employees all the way up to a million employees. So that transition was really a very easy shift for me. And being in the human capital space, uh, started rolling up my sleeves, began consulting, uh, began just realizing the opportunities within uh, the whole industry. Well, you know, professional recruiting has been around for a long time, but the world has certainly been changing. We're in unprecedented times. The value of really finding the right talent has never been uh, more valuable. So what, what is your perspective on some of the most significant changes you've seen in terms of your own journey in recruiting? Well, yeah. So Dan, um, another great question. Let me let me even step back a little bit uh, from the qu first question you asked, because I think the one thing that makes a good salesperson is to create a relationship with your client. Uh, clearly, in the human capital space, there, there are few opportunities for transactional uh, opportunities, right? You, the the yeah. better you are at creating relationships the better you're going to be and the more successful you're going to be. And moving forward with the question that you asked about evolving, that hasn't changed. Uh, in my position, I'm creating relationships, not only with my clients, but also with the potential candidates that I'm sourcing. And I'm finding those that I can create some uh, a relationship and trust with are the ones that will move through the process and that will be more open to coaching and that will really do better in the interview process, which makes us all look better and it makes the client happier. And I think that really provides a lot of value to um, my, my client and the candidate because uh, the biggest and most significant change that I have seen since I've started is automation. And we're losing a lot of that human touch through automation, uh, right? I, I, um, I'm sure you've had others come on board and share with you or you've heard or read. Uh, the automation is really uh, helping or trying to help companies do more with less, but it's really not bringing on and attracting uh, individuals um, the way that these companies want. And desire, and what's that? What's happening is that they're they're really getting the kind of candidates that don't really match up to their cultures. Yeah, it's when you were talking about the value of relationships. You know, just thinking of my own experiences being a hiring manager and filling a lot of uh, variety of different levels of roles. I found the the greatest success is when my recruiting partner truly took the time to truly uh, think of themselves as a business partner. And understand what those needs were. What what would that magic look like in terms of finding the right candidate? 
And, and, you know, with automation, you know, the resume scanning, you know, maybe there's efficiency there in terms of a large number of candidates trying to weed through that, but you lose something there. There's some intangibles, yeah. isn't there, Yvonne, that, that gets flushed out of that efficiency focus? Yeah. And, you know, I do have faith that this is all going to get better, but as of today, you really have an imperfect system because this automation, I, I haven't seen a... I have not to this date seen a perfect system, a perfect tool, right? And then you're actually scanning and assessing these imperfect documents. So what do you have left? You're really keeping your fingers crossed that someone will pop up through this automation, through this process that you've created. So yeah, we've definitely lost something. Yeah, now this competition today is so intense for the top talent. What are some of the common mistakes you see companies making when they're going out trying to be successful at recruiting? Well, you know, we we really just talked about it. Um, It's the automation and the lack of of the human piece because truly what the automation is not taking into account the nuances of everything out there. So for instance, we have. Uh, I hopefully your your audience knows what um, what I mean by an aggregator. You have these mechanisms or software that will send out jobs to multiple sites. Uh, many or most companies use them, even the small ones, right? Right. So uh, the that's one example. You're you you're utilizing one template to meet. And to uh, uh, advertise on multiple sites, I often wonder, do the employers or these companies, do they ever go out to, to check what their, what their advertisements look like, what their job descriptions look like? The format that you have that may show up well on CareerBuilder may look terrible or may not even make sense or even jumbled on other sites, right? The job that looks great on Indeed may not look good on another site. I mean, on and on, uh, the, the the ability to to check and be able to correct that because we uh, ultimately it's the candidate experience that that really matters here. I know we need to think about the recruiter experience, but as a recruiter, I, I'm sure a recruiter. I'm willing to bet. I don't know, Dan. Maybe you tell me if I'm wrong. But I'm willing to bet if if uh, a recruiter had to had to uh, uh, reduce or minimize their their optimal recruiting experience versus gaining twenty five to 35 percent increase in in uh, candidate uh, uh, candidate pipeline, they'd probably give that up, right? Yeah, and And one thing that we've lost is really, or corporate America has lost, is really trying to enhance their process to that customer experience, at least in my, in my, uh, in my view, in my opinion. Yeah, there's so much truth in that. And when you think about candidate experience, you know, one of the things I've seen uh, even more recently with just this um, volume of, of activity and, uh, and, and, just the, the just the plethora of, of different uh, people that are deciding they want to change jobs 
but I see a lot of feedback around the lack of response. So they'll apply for a position, maybe get an initial inquiry, maybe go through an initial screening interview, and then nothing. And I've even seen the term, hey, I've been ghosted by these companies, yeah. right? And I, I'm thinking to myself, what a what a what a waste, what a shame in terms of you are now leaving a bad taste in representing that brand of that company. And the residual impact of that is uh, hard to measure, but it's it's gonna last for a long time because there's gonna be this deep seated just just distaste, you know, in terms of that experience. Yeah. So Dan, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, by coincidence, you say that uh, I live here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there was, there was, um, uh, a news telecast, uh, last night for a local barbecue, uh, restaurant that's doing amazing things. But instead of growing because of their popularity, they actually have to shut down the restaurant and only focus on the catering. Because they're the candidates that they hire ghost them. And you're absolutely right. I think small, large companies alike, they've taught a little bit uh, to candidates how to behave. And the, the candidates are learning to ghost employers oh, as wow. well. Right? Because maybe not that particular employer ghosted them. But they learn that behavior from the other employers before. Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah. Right. So they've learned this and it's a, kind of like a trickle down effect. Right. They just they just seem to think that's that's OK to do. Wow. It's just uh, learning uh, some some bad behaviors, but it's, it's kind of working both ways. Well, I, you know, I know something that you're incredibly passionate about is um, diversity um, and the role of recruiting and bringing uh, diverse candidates into those organizations. Can you talk a little bit more about how you see the role of uh, a recruiting process in supporting a very comprehensive diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy? Yeah. Uh, so I like to keep things simple, Dan, uh, if, if you haven't been able to notice by now. but uh, <laughs> Simple is good. Yeah, simple. I. And uh, simple can go a long way. I think, you know, if you've been doing something, whether you, you, you've you been intentional or not, if you're not getting the results you want, maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to mix things up. Uh, it's the old story. You know, you can't, uh, you can't keep fishing in the same pond and expect to catch different fish, right? The same fish catching in there if you see somebody else catching different types of fish maybe you need to go find where they're fishing too so quite simply wherever wherever you uh you uh you're fishing wherever you're you uh seem to be investing your your efforts in maybe try to diversify your efforts and hence you will attract a different type of candidate and keeping it simple that way, once uh, once there's an opportunity to to realize what other things are out there, I think there's, I think it's it's important to to me what I share with people on a not just with diversity but a lot of different levels. If you think one one source, one res one methodology is going to solve all your problems, 
Um, I would caution you uh, more. Uh, I've never seen a magic pill to, to remedy um, uh, uh, an organization that's looking for a, uh, you, you know, an impactful diversity recruiting strategy. Mm-hmm. It's usually multifaceted. Right. And because of that, uh, you know, I, I also explained, think about it. You're, you're usually attracting smaller populations of people. So a lot of organizations also think that if they do the right thing, the, the floodgates are going to open. Well, I, I, I would caution you against that. Let's say if you do a great job, um, maybe anticipate a heavy a heavy stream or a consistent drip, right? <laughs> Things yeah. will come. You'll fill that bucket, but you know you're wor- you're usually working with smaller populations, hence uh, not as large of a, a pipeline. Uh, but you're definitely getting you're you're getting the the um, the the candidate pool, the quality, the quantity, but maybe not to the level that you expect. Uh, uh, you know, it's just it's just simple math. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would say keep it simple. Uh, you know, use organizations like Hamilton Demo. Uh, again, if you if uh, if you know another organization, especially in your industry, there's usually industry leaders, and f- for the most part, like you opened up, a lot of industry leaders have embraced some of the some of the points that you mentioned before, and they know this, right? They're more diverse. Yes. Uh, they've, they've got, they've got wider representation and they're committed to that. They're intentional. So maybe try to find what they're doing. Cause I can promise you uh, if they're not using Hamilton demo, they're using other organizations like, like ours. Uh, they're, they're keeping it simple and using and widen, widening their breadth of resources and tools to attract candidates. Uh, they're they're doing different things. They're going to where the the candidates that they want, the diverse pool that they've defined. That's another one too, Dan. I think it's also important before you embark on this, make sure you define what diversity means to you. What does diversity mean to your organization? Because ultimately everyone is looking for deep diversity and that deep diversity is what really allows an organization to grow and be competitive and um, when once you define that then you then you can really be strategic in in how you approach your efforts do you find Yvonne that your clients tend to normalize around a pretty common definition when they're asking that question? Or do you find that, no, wow, there is vastly different, unique interpretations of what diversity is? Vastly unique interpretations. So I will tell you, I've been in um, many boardrooms and someone will say diversity. And then I'll say, hey, if we go around the room, I bet you will have different views and different ideas of what diversity is. And um, that's what happened. So you're absolutely right. Uh, so that's why it's so important to define it for your organization. I'll give you a quick example. I had two retailers as, as, uh, two of my, uh, best clients, uh, coming up and they were 
very drastic. One was very male oriented, about 60% male. Throughout the organization, they had about 100,000 employees. Okay. And the other real t- retailer was uh, was about the same size, and they were 92% female, right? So do you think that the definition, their de- definitions of diversity are going to be the same once you go to those two separate uh, uh, boardrooms? No. Right. So. Right. Different lens and different context, I guess, or perspectives. Different lens, different context. Yeah. yeah. So you know, uh, one one was very uh, female, uh, and the other one was heavy male. So the, the one organization needed to attract more males, and they wanted cultural diversity as well. And the other organization wanted to attract more females and uh, and uh, cultural diversity as well. So you need to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Well, you know, we're in these really interesting times, and I referenced this earlier, where we're seeing so much job movement by employees, just personal decisions to leave their jobs, maybe take time off, or maybe they're just seeking a different career direction. It's been referred to as the, quote, great resignation, lots of media coverage out there. Yvonne, do you have a perspective on what's really going on here? Yeah, actually, I do. I uh, I don't think there's just one reason for this, but one of the one of the biggest reasons is uh, you know what many people call the gig economy, right? Uh, all you have to do is look at Uber. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of professionals, a lot of uh, you know people with bachelors. Uh, you know, they, they, they tell me they do Uber, right? Or they're doing some other gig economy. So when I look at that, uh, the, the, um, uh, the way of, of corporate America of old where people worked for a company for 20, 30, 40 years and retired and never, they never, you know, veered anywhere else. Sometimes they would have a home business. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they just worked on where they worked and they stayed there. Nowadays, people are, are doing a lot of different things outside of their nine to five. So I think what happens there is people have multiple sources of income coming in. And, uh, you know, if they feel like they feel like they want to walk away and move to the beach they can do that because they can, they can have a, a stream of income to keep them afloat until they find the job that they want. So I think that's a major factor that's, that has not been talked about a lot. You know, you're right. If you engage in a personal conversation with your next Uber driver, you're probably going to be fascinated to find out they have opinions on a wide range of topics and probably very educated and with professional experience, right? Beyond what you might think. Yeah. I, I mean, gosh, like, like people's faces are flashing before my eyes right now. Right. I've got, I know a, uh, a few business owners. I know someone who's, who's, who does pretty well. I know single, single parents 
that are, you know, looking to make extra money and do do different things. And they look for these different gigs. So I used Uber as an example, but, you know, there are, you know, there's tons of other uh, short term opportunities that people uh, can use uh, leveraging different sources as well. So, yeah. So it's really diversity in terms of just the, the work path that people are choosing, right? That's a great example of diversity in another way. And the other uh, thing I was thinking about as you were talking there, going back in my own career journey, I know when I started out professional world, the traditional view, Yvonne, was that stability on your resume was really important. In other words, there was this aversion if a candidate had been hopping, you'd call job hopping, you know, maybe oh, yeah. nine months or a year. But what's happened now is people are seeking a diversity of different experiences. It's almost viewed as a positive where someone has multiple stops, right? That are not as long. Hasn't that changed a little bit? Of course. I'll share a little story with you. Uh, when I was at Career Builder, I, I developed a relationship with the head of talent acquisition at an organization. And um, in addition to me providing him services, we would just decompress with each other and, uh, you know, just share insight, et cetera. And uh, we came across a candidate and he, he gave me his unfiltered opinion, which stuck with me. And he told me, hey, this guy has hopped around his last two or three jobs He's never stayed anywhere for more than for more than five years. There's no way that I'm ever I'm ever going to hire him or that he would ever make it here. Uh, this organization was, was happened to be a bank at the time. So my friend, fast forward five years later, we're talking and we we end up talking about another candidate, and he's telling me how wonderful this candidate is, and they're. They're getting ready to hire him. They, you know, he's coming on board. They gave him an offer. He accepted him. I love that. And I look at him like, hey, this guy, this guy has uh, never worked anywhere for more than five years in his whole career. And you told me that you would never do that. And he said to me that he had changed his, he oh, okay. had changed mindset around that, that he no longer looked at that. And he said what he looked at now was, hey, if there if if it seemed and reflected on the resume that the person had purpose in in the way that he moved from job to job, then that was something that he was going to take into account and and look at as a positive. So one example could be could be many things. Uh, you know, all all resumes are unique, but one of the more common ones that that he was alluding to is if someone was seeking to ascend in their career professionally, yeah, and use the opportunity to go to another company uh, to to gain that experience as a man assistant manager, then manager, uh, vice president, director, etc. There was ascension in that person's responsibilities, job titles, etc. Uh, he looked at that as a plus. So he no mm -hmm. longer he no longer looked at that five year mark as being essential. And you're absolutely right, my friend. I think a lot of 
a lot of people now look at that um, as an opportunity to grow their their own personal and professional careers in a way that maybe staying at one organization would not be able to to uh, provide for them. Yeah, it's really around stretching boundaries and actually just continuous learning and growth. And so you can look at it that way too. And another aspect of diversity would love to get your perspective on is multiple generations working together in the same organization. So you've got people early career, mid-career, later in careers. Often you have that mix coming together in single teams or, or throughout organizations. And you obviously in your uh, business are working with those different generations, be it baby boomers or millennials or Gen X. What are some of the differences you're seeing in their outlook as they're approaching uh, the job market and opportunities? Oh, wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other show, Dan. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> question. Yeah, well, let, let me uh, let me share a couple, just a couple fascinating things that I'm seeing. So, you know, we've touched upon this whole entrepreneurial spirit, the gig economy, and j- definitely our our Gen Zers have that mentality. And um, one thing I'm seeing, although that's a great mentality to have, I actually share with people that entrepreneurism is the new IT. You know, I'm a little bit older and I know you're young, Dan, but back in my day, IT was like the, the great vast unknown, right? Yes. People, people were doing this. Colleges were providing new programs to to provide growth and educate. It was amazing. And I see a lot of similarities with entrepreneurism. Now, with the Gen Zers, I don't think they have as much experience, worldly experience. Um, where some of our uh, former uh, entrepreneurs would gain some experience before going out on their own or before trying to provide uh, new services to to the work to the uh, workplace, right to corporate America. So a little bit different. They seem a little bit more gung ho, like they can do it now. Um, you know that they can start off being the CEO straight out of college if they go to college. Um, and that's another point. Uh, I don't think Gen Zers see formal education as important as uh, before. And um, I look at these baby boomers. Gosh, are, are they? They're never going to leave. They all keep wanting to work, right? Uh, I've even hired a few that were north of sixty-five, and I can't tell you how many how many uh, business meetings and encounters I have with people that what we call retirement age, they're still, they're still pumping away. And it's not that they're just showing up to the office, drinking coffee. They're, they're making noise. They're, they're making things happen. So that is a pleasure to see. Um, I think with uh, our gen, um, our millennials, we uh, we can learn a lot from both, and I think we're we're more of uh, that that generation's more of uh, the learning type too. We're taking things in and trying to learn from that. So, yeah, I think the other thing you and I had talked about in advance of the podcast a little bit was 
just with with some of these these new wave next generation of workers there there's more uh, even early in their career more of a boldness and more of a confidence to to state hey i've got needs what are you going to do for me and i'm thinking back to my career when i started i was just happy to have a job and i felt like it was just kind of uh, uh, basically paying my dues but it's been a bit of a shift in terms of expectations early oh, career yeah. Oh yeah, I think what I think uh, one of the phrases I used to is that I'm starting to hear more and more, uh, and coming from the Gen Zers, that if they don't get what they want, they're just going to take it, and that's something I think, quite frankly, Dan. However, we feel we're going to have to get used to it because it's not just it's just not a, it's not a unique thing. The boldness is something that is here to stay. And, you know, with expectations, if, if, uh, if you feel that strongly or you really have those expectations and that's your perception, then it, it becomes reality. How many times have we heard that and seen that happen? Yeah, it is a reality. And in your job, you're obviously giving lots of advice to employers. You're giving advice to job seekers. I want to flip this around and ask you, what is the best piece of business advice you have received that you've really held on to and made a difference for you? Oh, well, you know, uh, on the practical side, you always hear, Hey, you can never have enough money. They're, they're right. Um, you know, my goal is to make it to five years as a newer company. And I'm happy to say we're at four and a half years, knock on wood, five years looks like it's, it's going to come and it's going to be an exciting, uh, finish line for us. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I, um, I did listen to it, that advice and it helped me out tremendously. So I would definitely say if, um, whatever you're going into, uh, definitely just make sure if you have resources, maybe you don't need to sit on a pile of cash, but perhaps make sure you have access in case it, it comes up. I can, I can always tell you one thing you can count on is the unexpected and, uh, Hopefully that can that can help uh, help you manage through the unexpected. And uh, number two, you know, uh, a piece of advice that I didn't didn't heed right away, but sometimes you just got to do it, right? You, if you keep waiting and keep trying to wait for the perfect time and uh, for things to be just right or for you to have all the pieces, a lot of times it, it, that never happens. Uh, just, uh, just do it. As a matter of fact, you know, um, I started off right before the pandemic. Nobody, nobody told me that there was a pandemic coming, Dan, right? Uh, glad they didn't because if they had, maybe I would not have, um, gone forward with Hamilton demo, but it's been, um, it's been a great pleasure. We've learned a lot of things through the pandemic. It wasn't easy. But the knowledge, additional knowledge that we've gained uh, has made us better and stronger. And uh, quite frankly, I feel that, you know, we've learned how to succeed and grow in a pandemic. I think we we will use those same things that we learn to help us continue with our growth afterwards. So, yeah, again, just do it. Yeah, great advice. And. Certainly interesting, challenging times we're in, but when you think about the future, what's making you optimistic? 
Oh, uh, you know, again, I, I think just making it through as a young company, a startup, um, what we've learned, we're positioned very well. Uh, honestly, my phone won't stop, won't stop ringing. And people are starting to see that. I think um, another thing that makes us, that is helping us be more competitive in the marketplace too, is that we've learned how to have two personas. And what I mean by that, we're able to promote ourselves and work with clients, not only in person, but we've also learned how to build those relationships virtually. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking forward to using that to continue to grow our client base in all 50 states. Um, you know, we've got clients in New York, uh, clients in Arizona, and everywhere in between. Where can where can that take us next? And uh, uh, yeah, just exciting times. Yeah, it sounds like endless possibilities. And so, as we start wrapping up our conversation, Yvonne, any final advice for companies that are looking to achieve sustainable competitive advantage through recruiting and specifically their diversity? recruiting strategies? Yeah. So again, sometimes it can feel overwhelming, right? I, I'm not going to profess to come here and have all the solutions. 100% no. But again, keep it simple. Uh, look at where you're fishing. Look at what you're doing now. And if it's not working, look to add some things. You don't have to, you don't have to add everything, but Start off with maybe one or two things that you can change. Um, start from there, especially with that diversity. Uh, look to make sure that you defined it organizationally, right? Because you may know what you what you feel is diversity, but do your recruiters, do your employees, does your whole company know? Because quite frankly, if you have a great workplace, why aren't why aren't your employees sharing it with others? And that, that can be, you know, that's a tried and true form and way of bringing in new talent is through referrals. Um, so again, keep it simple. And I think you'll find some success that you can uh, use as a foundation to, to build upon. Well, Yvonne, thanks again for joining and sharing your experience, your commitment to bringing diversity and making it real inside of companies and helping them perform better. And Dan, I, I'm sorry, I forgot one more piece of advice to help me, uh, to help companies. Uh, call me. I'm full of ideas. And uh, <laughs> Hamilton Demo, you can find Hamilton Demo online at www.hamiltondemo.com. And my phone number's on there, uh, 513-257-9683. Uh, always welcome to having discussions and doing some discovery uh, free of charge. Uh, we, uh, we enjoy that. So, The Idea Hotline. Thanks again, Yvonne, for joining. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And a reminder to please continue to give the gift of feedback about this podcast. You can go out, rate and review. It really does help get even more awareness and exposure for all the great guests and topics that we have. You can do that really easily on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and rating on Spotify as well. 
And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.